Genesis 12, New King James Version is what I'll be reading from in our text today. Here we go. I've got to get right into it. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, and to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed. He did what God said. And the Lord had spoke, as the Lord had spoken to him, and, he, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old. Wow, that, that gives a little spark to somebody here that's a little bit older today. God can still do something with you at 75 years old. Wow, does that make anybody feel good? Yeah? 75 years old. That, that's why you got to work, not worry about time. Don't worry about time. 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So let me just give you a quick background here. God comes to this man, Abram, and says, I want to do big things one day down the road in your future. Everybody say, one day. One day. Say, down the, road. down the road. That's his destiny. And so God speaks over his destiny what he will become if he walks in obedience. But God doesn't speak anything about the hardships of the journey. He literally gives him a vision of the future and hopes that he will endure a tough journey to get to that destination. There's a prize at the end for every one of us. And it's going to be a battle, an uphill battle, all the way there. You just got to make your mind up right now that it's going to be a fight. But listen, it's going to be worth it all when you get there. The destination is worth the difficulty. The destination is worth the difficulty. You've got to believe this by faith. Because God is speaking to us today to tell you that it will be worth it all when you get there. At the end, you've got to understand that there is going to be a press to get to the prize. You have to press for the prize. Everybody say in Jesus' name. And you can be seated today. Just give me some time here to share what's on my heart. Listen, have y'all ever been, been on a great journey? You ever been miserable on a great journey trying to go to a great place? We, we took our youth group back in the day in Dallas, our last year there, to, uh, to Disney World. That's back when you could go to Disney World without trying to be converted. That's <laughs> before you had to walk in and wonder if you was a woman or a man anymore. They, you know, they, they try to preach to you now at Disney World. Y'all, y'all probably seen all that happening on the news. It's sad that, uh, that that's happening to Disney World. But we, uh, we, we used to love that place, and we used to go a lot. And uh, we decided to load up and take our youth group to Disney World. We drove all night in a church van, 18 hours. You don't want to do that with snotty-nosed, stinky, noisy. I mean, that's not comfortable. That right there is desperate. We were trying to save a buck. We were trying to hurry and get it done. And we loaded up two vans and we drove all night, which is ridiculous because when you get there, you're tired. And we did it because we thought it'd be fun once we got there. We, we had such a hype about us that if we could just get there, it'd be okay. We endured the difficulty of that challenge because we were so excited about what would happen when we got there. We endured all the pain of getting there. You have got to be so excited to go on some journeys. Any parents in the house right now realize that you regret immediately a road trip once you get in the car? Like it was so fun. You had it all planned out. You knew how cool it would be. But then you get in the car and it's like five minutes go in. Are we there yet? 
We just left our driveway. We're not even out of our neighborhood yet. And you're already begging me for information? I want a drink. I want food. I want my sippy cup. I want my crackers. And I'm like, you just ate. What is happening? There's not enough DVDs in the world to play on a road trip to keep your kids happy. Because about halfway in, they're sick of DVDs. I don't know what to do. And so we know that it can be very difficult when you're on a journey. We know it can be hard whenever you're trying to just get there. But the only reason we endure all that and save all that money and blow all that time and travel and hurt ourselves and have back pain and neck pain is because we're looking forward to the end. Nobody signs up for the journey for the journey. When's the last time you said, you know what, let's just load up our kids and let's just go. And then when we go, we'll come back. Nobody does that. Sister Stella, nobody does that. Time to take a journey. Nobody does that. Nobody just loads up for fun. Nobody asks for pain for fun. No one packs their bags, gets in a car, drives down the road 15 hours, and comes back home. You have to have a destination in mind to endure the difficulty. There has to be a prize at the end for you to press for. No wonder God spends all of his time talking to Abram about the place he's going to end up. God spends all of his time talking about where you're going to end up. God spends all of his time talking about where you will end up. Faith is where you will end up. Faith is where you will end up. Faith is where you're going to be at the end of the journey. Faith says, I see the end will be worth the pain of the journey. He said, you'll have your own land. You'll be a great nation one day, Abram. You'll be blessed. Your name will be great. And you will even become a blessing. It took three verses to talk him into the journey. And by verse 4, he was gone, y'all. That's convincing right there. God talked a man into leaving his whole family and whole home to go. He didn't even know where off of a destination that was so exciting. He got so hyped up, so excited, he began to go on a journey. Abram wasn't forewarned, though, about several things. You ready for this? He wasn't warned about the length of the journey. Never told him how long it would be. He wasn't forewarned about all the family problems with Lot, his nephew. Wasn't warned about that. And God knew, by the way. God knew it. He wasn't warned about the Egyptians temporarily borrowing his wife. God, could you not let me know that was going to happen? Maybe I could have made my mind up a little better. What about the years it would take to get there? The years it would take. What about the rebellion uprisings? And moments of total doubt, where are you, God? Do you want to know why God never disclosed the difficulties along the journey? Because God knew the destination would be worth the difficulty. God does not ever dare tell you about the difficulty because it would take away from the destination. God knows that no matter what you've got to endure to get to the end, it will be worth it and it is irrelevant. God does not speak about the pain. God does not speak about all the challenges because God knows there is nothing that should ever get in the way of the destination. God knows that no matter the price you've got to pay, it will be worth it all one day. That's why he doesn't tell you about the issues along the way. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, for not ruining it for us. Because if God would have told you how much pain it would have been to get married, you never would have got married. If God would have told you how much of a loser they could be, you'd have never said, I do. 
Anybody get married soon? Hope not. <laughs> we ask questions like this. What do we have to give up before we're ever in love? You, no, no, you get, you get in love first, right, Sister Haley? You get in love first, and then you endure. If you don't endure, then find love. You have, to, you have to be in love with the destination to endure the journey. You have to have something worth giving everything up for. Yeah. So I say, come to church. Jesus loves you. And people are like, I would, but I can't change my life. It's too hard. And I'm like, no, come to church right now. I don't care what you're going through. Just come to church. But I can't stop smoking. Stop that. Come to church. But I was at the bar last night. I don't care. You, you can't endure a journey until you fall in love with the destination. You've got to get up in this house and see what we see. And then you'll, you'll give it up. You'll quit it. You'll sacrifice it. We've got, we got women coming to church like, I can't go to that church. I'll have to give up stuff. You've got it all wrong. You're looking at the journey. You're not looking at the master. You're not looking at the king. You're not looking at the end game. Of course you won't give it up. Of course you won't stop it. Because you're not in love like we are. That's why you never ever preach the journey to anybody who's not in love with the destination. Never, ever talk about the journey. Never, ever talk about the give up. You never, ever talk about the sacrifice. That's not how you sell it. That's not how you preach it. You preach Jesus and him crucified. Preach Jesus and what he gave, not what we give, what he gave. And when you catch the revelation of what he gave, you'll give up anything. Because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. Don't tell me it's too hard. Don't tell me you can't give something up for the Lord. You just need to come to the foot of the cross and look him in the eyes and realize it's worth every single thing you've got to face in this world. It's worth it all. I like how the Apostle Paul spoke about the journey in Philippians 3, 10 through 14. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be it made conformable unto his death. This is what Paul's life goals were. What's your goals? This is what Paul's goals were. I just want to, I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of suffering. I want to know him like, I want to understand death like him. I want to know that when I die, I get to have a resurrection like he did. Look, look what the goal of the apostle Paul was. Verse 10 reveals Paul's desired destination. I just want to know him. I just want the power of his resurrection. And like Abram's journey, Paul begins to, by disclosing where he wants to end up. In fact, he literally wants to end up, like end up resurrected. He wants to end up like Jesus. But notice what he adds after the destiny. He adds the journey. I'm okay with fellowship of suffering. I'm okay being conformable to his death because Paul understood how this deal works. If I want to end up like Christ with resurrection power, I have to be willing to lose down like Christ with suffering and death. Paul understood that I can't get to the resurrection unless I'm willing to go through the, the death. There is a death you have to die on this journey. But the end is worth the suffering. The end is worth the death. Your refusal to die his death 
is by default a refusal to have his life. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot say I'm in the church for no pain. No, you're in the church for the end game. You got in the church because you were going to have an eternity of pain. You got in the church so you wouldn't have to have an eternity of pain. You didn't get in the church to have an easier life. How easy was it for Jesus to live on the dirt, on the sleep on the ground every day? The Christian life is not an easy life. It's eternal life. What we're doing right now and what we're serving and how we're fighting right now is not so we can have a comfortable life on the earth. It's so that we can have a comfortable eternity. It will be hard. It will be hard. It will be hard. Look at your neighbor and tell him it will be hard. Go ahead and preach it to him right now. I'm going to ask you a question. When did our decision to give ourselves to Jesus become all about the journey? When did that happen, y'all? Our elders didn't preach the journey. They preached Jesus. And they went through all kinds of hell. They used to throw vegetables. Thank y'all for not doing that, by the way. They used to throw vegetables. Hey, these days with the way prices are, I will take them home. Maybe I need to make some of y'all mad. I wish you would throw a vegetable at me. I'll pack that thing up right now. I'll take it home. Save me 50 bucks. Yeah, throw gas at me. <laughs> I, have like, I have like pockets in here like trying to catch it. Take that stuff home. Our elders used to preach about the destination, and they didn't care if it was hell or high water. They would endure it because it was all about Jesus. But we know our generation right now. We know that it's a tough generation. It's a little bit softer. And we know people are all about the journey. And if it's not a good journey, we're not going to go. Bless, bless hearts these days. If the church isn't, isn't an easy church and it's not an easy journey, then we're not signing up. And that's why all the big churches these days are making the journey a lot easier. Because people no longer have the grit to do it for the destination. So now you have to change this, this narrow straight path to broad so that it's easier on everybody because nobody wants to endure and pay the pain, the price, for the end. And that's why the spirit of the journey is starting to rise up in this modern day church because everybody now wants an easy journey and they want to have a big prize. But the Lord sent me here to tell you, you've got to learn to press. You have to, if you're going to get the prize, it'll be because of pressing. You're going to have to learn to press for the prize. This generation wants heaven on the wrong side of death. We want it right now. We are not on this journey because of the journey. We're on the journey because of the destination. I don't, I don't just load up my, my car full of stuff and children. I don't just save my money just so I can go stare out a window for 15 hours. Uh, I, I don't do that. I don't endure all the plane changes, uh, security checks, uh, crowded spaces because I'm just bored. I do it because where I'm headed is far greater than what it takes to get there. And if we commit to the journey to become free of hurt, we won't make it on the journey because there will be hurt on this journey. Uh-huh, amen. We were like tired of pain, tired of suffering, tired of hurting all the time. I just want to rest. I just want to find a place where there's no drama. There is no such place in this earth. There's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere you can go to escape it. There will be pain in this life. And we've got to stop acting like you can live a life of utopia while on this earth. We're like, tired of pain? Come to church. That's what we tell people. Worldly folks are like, tired of pain? Leave the church. Pain's everywhere, y'all. 
My message is the same message of the world. I'm telling them to get in the church to get, to get a little bit more healing. They're telling people to get out of the church because that's where a lot of the hurt is at. You know what the lesson is? There's hurt everywhere. But I will say this about the church. We might have hurt, but we also have healing. All they have is hurt. We at least we know how to heal. We've got the doctrine of healing. We've got answers for healing. And while, yes, there will be hurt in the church on this journey, there can be healing. Thank God for it. Listen, the church is the transportation that Jesus is using. It's not the destination. The church is the transportation, not the destination. And I love the church. You know why I love the church? Not because it's perfect, because Jesus is coming back for the church. Yeah. Pastor, why is there so much pain in the church to get you ready for your destination? If the church was perfect, you wouldn't know you were lost. And I mean, nothing triggers you like church folks. Nothing can make you more mad than your pastor. The reason why there's hurt in church is because I didn't even know I had that spirit until I got hurt. And thank God it was revealed. Because I want to be saved, y'all. I don't like the way sometimes God brings stuff up in me to reveal that I'm not right. But I am thankful for it. I am thankful for the pain and the pressure. I'm thankful for the discomfort and the awkwardness because anything it takes for me to see myself and to see what I'm not right in, I want to know it while I've got time to repent, while I've got time to confess, while I've got time to fix it. You know, we're supposed to be a loving people. We're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. And it's supposed to be the, the biggest thing about us. But you know what? When you get hurt, you can't hide your love. If you really love someone, it shows up when you're hurt. It does not show up whenever everything's good. We don't even know if we love each other in church until we offend each other. You don't even know you love your spouse until you offend them. You either have love or you don't have love. And there's no way we'll go to heaven without love. And that's why I thank God for an imperfect church. I thank God for a transport that has a few bumps. I thank God that the church isn't perfect. There's a few holes, a few stinky smells. I'm so glad that on the way there, there's some bumps and there's some issues and some people snoring. Remember we had a young lady one time in the youth group that she was trying to sleep on a late night trip and uh, her head was hitting the window the whole time. Yeah. And she didn't even wake up. She was bouncing her head off the window. Every time we hit a bump, it'd go bump, 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 bump. She had real thick hair. And she was snoring as loud as all get out, just snoring and hitting. And she was just like. <laughs> and we, nobody else can sleep on the van. I don't know if y'all remember that one or not. I think I just heard her name. But you know what? That's part of the journey. Because you don't know you truly have love until somebody makes you mad. Anybody want to pass the test? Anybody want to make sure you're real? You know what your prayer needs to be today? God, don't make our church perfect. God, don't make it perfect. Because I don't want to live in a utopia where I'm never triggered. I want to see who I really am. I, if you can make me mess up, make me mess up. Because I want to fix it before, I, before it's too late. I want to fix it while I get a chance. I want to repair it. Thank God for that grace. Grace. 
He gives it. So, so listen, I'm convinced that your inconsistency on the journey is directly connected to the lack of love for the destination. I'm convinced that sometimes we get a little bit off and we get a little bit, little bit in unstable because we're, we're forgetting where we're going. The best thing to do when you feel like you're starting to lose track, you're starting to lose hope, the best thing to do is to remember, why did I sign up for church in the first place? Remember when you first came to church how broken you were? Yeah, guess what? You didn't come, so did you have a perfect life? No, you came because you wanted to go to heaven. And you saw that if you continued in your sins, what it would do. You came here because you had a destination. If I could just introduce us all today and remind us that this is all about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason why you got in church. Jesus is the ultimate destination. Jesus and a walk with him is what it's all about. You did not get in church so everything will be perfect. You got in church because you wanted to find Jesus. He's the hope of everything. It's Jesus. He's the reason for everything we do is to get closer to Jesus. So let me just tell you, 1 Corinthians 2, Paul said, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined to not know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. One of the smartest men in the world said, this is what I preach. I preach Jesus. God, help us get back to preaching Jesus. Help us get back to talking about Jesus. Help us get back to thinking about Jesus, to walking with Jesus. Help us get back to knowing the word of Jesus. He is our ultimate destination. He is our prize. Jesus. He said, my speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let all focus always turn back to Jesus. A couple points on that. If it takes enticement to get you, it'll take enticement to keep you. And remember, we carry a cross, not a comforter. Paul said, when I preached, I preached Jesus and him crucified. When you preach Jesus, you protect yourself from journey Christians, from becoming a journey Christian who only come to church because it's easy. When you preach Jesus and him crucified, you make sure and you put the church in context. This is what it's like to be a Christian. You carry a cross. You don't carry comfort. You carry a cross. That's why Paul said, if I preach any other way, people will come to church for candy. And you'll build a crowd, but you won't build a church. And when we preach Jesus and him crucified, we preach Jesus and him suffering. We preach Jesus and him going on a journey of pain. We sign up Christians that are not going to be offended whenever they get hurt. But here's what we've done, y'all. Here's what we've done. We've preached the good, cuddly Jesus that never has another problem. And we've built big churches off of, there's no problem if you come to Jesus. No one will ever be mad at you. Nothing will ever happen. You'll have all the money you could ever need. He'll pay all your bills and heal all your sicknesses. And people come to church with a false idea of who Jesus is. He never promised the journey would be easy. He never promised there'd be no pain or issues. He promised he would carry us. He promised he would help us. He promised he'd be enough for us. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. With pain and weakness, I will be your strength. Thank you, Lord. 
Philippians 3.11, he says, if any means I might obtain under the resurrection of the dead, shows what he would do to get there. He said, I would do anything to get there if by any means nothing would stop me. Verse 12, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 12 is an honest confession. Paul had not yet reached the destination, and neither did he consider himself to be perfect or complete. But then verse 13 and 14 wraps up what Paul is trying to say. He says, brethren in 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I forget the things that are behind me, and I reach forth to those things which are before me. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize I press towards the mark for the prize. There's a mark I want to get to. There's a line at the end. There's a finishing place that I can see it. And I'm going to push. I'm going to press. I'm going to get there because there is a prize at the end. For the prize, the prize of the high calling of God is in Christ Jesus. Paul just couldn't quit talking about the destination. So first thing that has to happen before we close today, first you get to choose your destination. And I want to ask you all soberly right now, where in the world are you going right now? You're going somewhere. If that is not your everyday mission when you wake up, you won't endure the journey. You'll get mad, you'll, get, you'll quit, you'll say like, oh, I'm not praying today, it's okay. Because if, if your destination is something earthly, you won't pray. If your destination is something earthly, you won't fast, you won't study, and when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you've got to answer is, where am I going? You get out of bed in the morning, you go, I'm going to Jesus today. I'm going to get Jesus today. I'm going to get close to Jesus today. No matter what happens, I will be close to him. I might lose everything else, but I will get close to Jesus. He is my prize. Jesus is my prize. Thank you, Lord. So if you're having trouble staying on the right path, it's because you don't have a destination. And Paul only gives one reference about the journey. He says this, it will require great pressure. I was praying one day about this, this topic, this scripture, this reference, and I felt like the Lord just whispered to me and said, I will never put anything in your path that you don't have the power to press your way through. God puts things in the way to make sure we really want to go to the destination. They test us. They challenge us. And nothing proves our tenacity for the end like having to push through something. But I want to encourage you all and tell you no matter how difficult it is what you're going through right now, you can press your way through it in the name of Jesus. There is nothing. Press Press indicates it will be difficult and possible at the same time. Press suggests to me that I'll have to put my shoulder into it and I'll have to lean into it and put some effort to it. But press also gives me a clear word that I will get through this. I will get through this in Jesus' name. It might not be easy. I might not could just blow it over. But if I can just get my hands and put some pressure and put a little bit of work into it, this too shall pass this too shall move this thing of the way shall go and listen to me you wouldn't have to worry about your depression if you would have been depressing 
bad joke. Let's wrap it up. You ready? Some of y'all look like you got crawfish inside your head right now. You can pray, but your difficulties will stay. You can fast, difficulties will still last. You can cry out, but your difficulties are just as stout. Your righteousness will never reduce the roughness. Your holiness will never hold back the hardships. Your dedication will never disintegrate the difficulties. Injury still accompanies endurance. Faithfulness will not fix every falter. Hope won't always head off the hurt. And some of you say it like this, I'm just going through a tough time with a sad face. But of course, you're saying it wrong. I'm just going through a tough time. Paul said it like this, though. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says he presses because there's a prize, and the prize is of God, and it's in Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, who owns every single thing, who loves everybody, who can do anything. He gives grace liberally. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures forever. He wept when his friends wept. He walked in our shoes and felt what we feel. He comforts those in distress. He lifts those who are down. He saves the lost. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He hears the whisper. And he fills every void. He's everywhere at all times. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He's strength. He's provision. He's patience wrapped up in meekness filled with power. He is the only living God. There is none like him. None that can compare to him. He's a friend that sits closer than a brother. He's as close as the mention of his name. The devils fear him. Angels follow him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's the latitude. He's the longitude. He can even fix your bad. He's the goal, the end result. He's the finish line. He's the place that we seek, the address that we Google, and the last stop on the GPS. He's the main position, the last location, and the final destination. But to sum it up, we call him the prize. Let's give God a praise right now. Let's give God a praise right now. It's going to be worth it. I said it's going to be worth it. I said it's going to be worth it all. Receive it right now in your spirit. It's going to be worth everything. We've got to stay the course. I've got to push forward. I've got to press toward the prize. I will not quit. I will not give up. I don't care what happens. I will be saved. I will stay in church. In the name of Jesus. We, we put... We put in our GPS, you can stay standing, it's fine. If you want to, you can, you, it's up to you. We put in our GPS, heaven. That's where I want to go, heaven, because heaven will be easy. Heaven will be comfortable. Because we're addicted to comfort. If all you want is heaven, you're selfish. Jesus never sold heaven a la carte. He never sold heaven without himself. Jesus only explained heaven 
because it would be his house. And some of us are more in love with the idea of heaven than the idea of Jesus. And you will not make it simply wanting to go to heaven. You won't make it. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go see Jesus. It doesn't matter where Jesus will be for eternity. That place will be heaven. I, I don't want to just go to a place that seems cool. Heaven's only heaven because Jesus will be there. And if you don't want Jesus on the earth, you, you won't want to go to heaven. In fact, I, I wonder sometimes if heaven might be like hell to people because all there's going to be to do there is worship. No, no Netflix, no, no, no cell phones, no vacations, just Jesus. Some of y'all got real sad. And that's exactly why I'm preaching what I'm preaching right now. Because if you are in this thing for heaven... You will not last. But if you were in this thing for Jesus, you can carry anything you got to carry. You'll fight any devil you got to fight. You'll put up with any drama in the church. Because I'm not seeking heaven, I'm seeking Jesus. If we're not praying every day, we don't love Jesus. And it's deceiving, y'all. It's deceiving. Just hear me. We're about to close. I did really well, actually. It's only 12 o'clock. It's very deceiving the day that we're living in. Because everything's turning into about us. Even heaven's about us. Heaven's not about us. Streets of gold and all that cool stuff is nothing that y'all want. You know what you want? You know what we want? We love eating good food, we love parties. We love our friends. We love vacations and fun and theme parks. We love doing stuff, right? That's what we love in our culture. We don't really love prayer in our culture. We don't really love lingering at the altar in our culture. We, we get kind of bored easily. We get kind of distracted. It's like, can we hurry up and crawfish? I just... And I want, I want a little bit of a conviction to settle on us right now because I want you to realize that if you're a heaven kind of person... You, you've missed it. And, and if, if, I've, if I've done that, if I didn't preach it properly, I apologize to you. If you heard it on YouTube or the last church you went to, if we preached heaven and all about you, you, you. you. No wonder, y'all. No wonder we're, all, we're hurting so bad. No wonder we're all so mad all the time. We're entitled. Anybody else follow the culture of the spirit of the age? Anybody else follow what's happening in our nation? I know some of y'all are. I know there's people in this church. You know what's happening politically right now in this world. We're entitled. We're selfish, we're entitled, we get everything we want when we want it, and we forget that being a Christian is all about having a relationship with Jesus. And there are many people that want to come to church so they can go to heaven because they love themselves. I dare say there's someone here today, you love yourself so much you came to church. But you won't stay in church. You will not stay in church loving yourself. You only endure the mess we endure.
because of Jesus. And today we have to recalibrate why we're here. Because if you're here for you, as soon as we make you mad, you're gone. As soon as we miss a note and they miss a beat, as soon as one person does something wrong, Sunday school teacher makes a mistake, you're gone. Because you came to church for false expectations. You came here because you wanted to take care of you. And you totally miss that our Jesus, he suffers. And his followers will suffer. But the joy that we get in this journey. For the Bible says it was for the joy of the cross set before him. That Jesus looked ahead and saw a cross and he had joy. How do you get joy looking at a cross? Because you see the purpose of the cross. The purpose of the cross is not to hurt you. The purpose of the cross is to save you. How do you get joy with pain? Because you understand the purpose of the pain is not eternal. But the purpose of the pain, like hard work, like digging a hole in the backyard to plant a tree. You hate it, but it's good. You hate it, but it's good. And this life we live, sometimes you hate it. But it's good because there's joy set before us. There's not joy behind me. There's joy before me. I can make it because of where I'm going. I can make it because of where I'm headed. I see it. I will do it. I will get to Jesus. I will press. I will press. I will press until I get there. I will not quit. Listen to me. The best Christians are hard-working Christians. If you're lazy, you're not a very good Christian. Because lazy people don't know how to put the pain in for the gain. This church, this is a hard-working church. You're hard-working people. You're people that work long hours and tough jobs. And that's why God is anointing some of you. Because it don't, look, it don't work with lazy people. Because lazy people just want to get a check. But that's not the spirit of our church. That's not the spirit of Christianity. We understand that if you don't plant, you don't reap. It will hurt. I tried to dig a hole the other day with Aspen, and I was bending over like this forever. Boy, when I got done, I was hurting so bad. Anybody testify with me right now? Because there is so much pain in this journey. But you know why I did it? Because I wanted a tree to, blow, to bloom one day. I wanted to look out there and see a pretty tree with pretty flowers. I did it, and I knew it would be hurt, and I knew it would be bad, but I did it because I wanted to have joy set before me. God, give us a spirit that says we want you over anything else. Remember when David, remember when David had, had done the big sin, adultery, he had murder? And remember whenever he was being judged by the prophet and he began to pray? You know what he did not pray? He didn't pray that he could keep his crown. He said, God, don't take your spirit. David, you understand you're about to lose your kingdom potentially? You understand you're about to lose all your money? You understand you're about to lose everything? He said, I don't care. Take it all. Take it all. Strip me down of all my power. Strip me down of all my wealth. Take it all. But don't take your spirit, God. And you know what God did? He said, because of that, 
I will let you keep your crown. I will let you keep your kingdom. I will let you keep everything else. Because if you desire me, I'll let you keep all the money, all the blessings. But can we just have a worship time right now? We've got plenty of time to pray. We've got plenty of time. Can you come down here with me and pray with me in the name of Jesus? Can we come worship together? And can we make it about him again? Can we bow our knees? Can we sit before God? I'm not looking for heaven, God. I'm looking for you. I don't want to just be all about me, God. Oh, God, I surrender right now in the name of Jesus. God, we come to surrender, God. Oh, God, we come to surrender to you, Jesus. God, forgive me for making it about me. Forgive me for making church about me. It's about you, God. It's about you, God. Oh, God, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to put you in my GPS. I want to put J-E-S-U-S. I feel like I came to church for me. I feel like I came for the wrong reason. I'm going to give myself to you, God. Oh, God, I need you. I can lose everything else, but I can't lose you. Everything I have is because of you. Oh, God, I need you.